Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Look how close they're getting now. See, they're getting turned on. They're hearing all this talk about fucking, sucking, ass-eating, blowjobs, cunt-eating, all that shit. Right? It's getting you horny? Gonna get in that jacuzzi? Shove your ass into his face? Show him how happy you are to be in New York? That's my little girl. I'm in a great mood. Not my fault, it's everyone else's fault but mine. But up first is the plugs. Don't forget there's a show, Patreon, that helps to go towards the financing and production of the show. It's also where you can go to donate and to hear exclusive, unedited, uncut interviews from upcoming guests and past guests. It's the only place ever where you will hear the uncut stuff, okay? And not only can you go there to get it, you can actually download it too. We're talking past interviews with Anthony Cumia, Perez Hilton, Eric Bischoff, Vince Russo, Jim Florentine, and upcoming interviews with people such as Dave Meltzer. And you want to hear it early? You want to hear it uncut? That's where you can go. And if maybe the podcast is too long for you, don't forget to check out Hughie Entertainment on YouTube because that's where I go to upload the clips of the podcast and it's the only place where I will be doing that upload three to four a day eh, whenever I can be bothered but yeah that's where you can go to hear all the podcasts in clip form speaking of podcasts don't forget to follow the creative control network so you can find all kinds of show information from shows such as Oh What a Rush with Animal Highway to Helms by the Hurricane Shim Helms The Hambone Show An Honourable Mention and a few more that are about to come so stay tuned for that news and if you happen to be a wrestling fan don't forget to go check out the official Keep No 100 YouTube page that is starting to blow up very very fast it's the only place where you can find the official clips from the show hosted by Conan and Matt Doof Disco Inferno himself and not only is it the only place where you can find classic clips of the show you find current clips of the show and 
exclusive YouTube only stuff so keep checking out that channel and remember if you happen to download this from iTunes go find It's Easy Hello page and give us a 5 star review it helps build up the profile of the show and frankly I deserve it and don't forget that any and all music you may hear within this podcast is available on all good streaming apps and music stores and for my personal review I think it's all 5 star brilliant I wouldn't play it if I didn't think that it was. So thank you, and the plugs are over. Today we got a great one. Uh, you probably wonder why I'm in a bad mood at, at the minute. It's because, well, a bunch of guests that who keep saying, yeah, I'll do an interview, I'll do an interview, no problem. So you get all excited, and then you make the plans to interview them, and then they don't give you a time when you can interview them, or they don't turn up when they said they would. So it kind of leaves you in the lurch, but whatever, fuck them. It, all, it always ends up happening in the end anyway. And it's just more excuse for more listeners, am I right? <laughs> Hold for laughter. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And, yeah, so today we've got uh, Sean Haggerty. Now, people outside of Ireland may or may not know him. Sean's a long-time... A friend of mine we almost had a show on the BBC before, but we're not going to talk about that because it just makes me angry and I'll fucking kill someone. Sean is a stand-up comedian. He's a writer. He's an actor. He's a podcast host. He's been on reality TV. Uh, his wife was way, way funnier than him, but I'll not bring that up. That's rude for me to say. I never would mention that his wife is way funnier than him. So, yeah, Sean's on talking about, well, not about how much his wife is funnier than him, but he's on talking and being funny, and we're talking about the usual stuff of the war against the PC culture and all that shit. But before that, we've got boss man Joe Finio, and we're doing one of our famous, and by famous, I mean Mike Durbin says he likes it, one of our top five music debates in this week, it's going to be Pink Floyd, which uh, I love the name of that because it kind of sounds a bit like a homophobic slur. It's like, oh, you got to watch that John Haggerty. He's a bit of a Pink Floyd, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he's not, though, because he's straight and he's married to a woman who's much, much funnier than him. But don't mention that on the show. Before we get started, I want to say you should actually go follow Sean's wife on Twitter. She's at Diana Doherty. Very funny. And she's actually a cast member of a sitcom here called Derry Girls, which you may not know now, but it's fucking blowing up, which is ironic because a lot of the stuff here that blows up actually blows up. Hilarious joke about terrorism. Hold for laughter. And, but before we get to any of that, we've got a quick bonus 
watch along with John Wanglin from the Wrestling with Reality podcast and the Reality Check Network. Uh, we're on doing a watch along for Wrestling Classic. And as you know, we're intense and we like to get very intense about it. So get ready and get prepared for John. Hello. Well, hey, John, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. We've got a real classic today to watch. Always, brother. This one, uh, this is from WrestleMania 1. But before you reveal this epic, why don't you plug yourself? Hit us up, guys. We're on YouTube now. We're doing a lot of work on there at WWR Podcast on uh, YouTube. Hit us up on Twitter at WWR Podcast, Instagram, WWRPodcast.com 2018, and your iTunes, Google Play, Hipcast, all those good sources, Wrestling with Reality Podcast on the Creative Control Network. Well, today's classic. This is a real epic. This is from the first ever WrestleMania. This is King Kong Bundy versus ST, sorry, SD Jones. Special Ooh. Delivery Jones, man. Well, I thought it meant uh, suck. Uh, never mind. But uh, there's plenty of time for dirty jokes during this long, long match. I can't wait for it. Uh, okay. So um, after three, I'll begin the match. All right. Three. Okay, and the match has started. And Bundy's thrown SD in the ropes, and he's got him in the bear hug, and SD has tapped out. Well, uh, John, that was awesome. That's what, I'm so glad that I picked that one. You were here to witness it with me. Why don't you give a plug? Riveting, riveting stuff, brother. Hit us up, guys. WWR Podcast on YouTube, Twitter, at WWR Podcast, and you can find us on all the major podcast networks, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Hipcast, at WWR Pod, or Wrestling With Reality Podcast on the Creative Control Network. Want to buy wrestling merch but don't want to buy the cheesier, childish stuff that WWE puts out? Well, Collar and Elbow is the company for you. Collar and Elbow was founded on the traditional values of professional wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product intended to connect with people on an emotional level. A symbiotic relationship where one cannot flourish without the other. They strive to create a product that embodies their passion for professional wrestling through street fashion. Basically, it's wrestling merchandise that you can wear in public that doesn't make you look like a total nerdy mark. This is great stuff. I've bought a bunch of it myself. I wear it myself quite often. And when you go to buy it, don't forget to use the coupon code HUGY. That's H-U-G-H-E-Z-Y, all in capital letters, to let them know that you heard about it through me. That's Collar and Elbow, use the coupon code HUGY, and do not forget to tell your friends, because this is the best merchandise company you're going to find anywhere. Listen to an honorable mention every Tuesday on your favorite podcast provider, courtesy of the Creative Control Network. Hosted by Jeff Schwartz and Ring of Honor alumni Shane Hagedorn, they cover the history of Ring of Honor Wrestling from the promotion's humble beginnings to the present day, bringing every fan over the guardrail and behind the curtain with humor, respect, and honor. An honorable mention is presented by It's a DVD Product.com, your home for exclusive t-shirts and hoodies featuring signature lines from the show. Get the latest news on an honorable mention by following them on on Facebook and Twitter at an honorable pod an honorable mention with Jeff Schwartz and Shane Hagedorn part of the creative control network every Tuesday on your favorite podcast providers 
was quite extensive of a watch along, I'm sure you'll agree. And thank you, John, for taking the time to do it. Up next is Joe Feeney doing the Pink Floyd Top 5. And before I mention that Sean Haggerty's wife is funnier than him, I just want to say that if you don't like Pink Floyd, that is strange, okay? And i got to say as well that uh, when we did this list, uh, we make a rule of no live tracks, so we, we're, it all goes by uh, the studio version. So if you're thinking, but the live version are comfortably number, the live version are the brick in the wall. It's like, yeah, but we're talking about the studio tracks. So Joe Feeney, host of the Creative Control, hello. Okay, so Joe Feeney, once again back for yet another music debate show. Joe, how you doing? I, uh, I'm doing well. As we were talking about before we got on the air, it's, it's a questionable day for justice in America, but um, what are you going to do? If they're going to let if they're going to let Jussie Smollett or whatever his fucking name is off, I demand R. Kelly be released because obviously all the women that he keeps in prison or his girlfriends, whatever you want to call them, in his house, they say he's not guilty. You know, just let him go. Fuck it. It's Chicago. Chicago you can do anything you want. Apparently, yeah. All they've got is evidence, just like with Smollett. But hey, what can you do? That we're racist to be got a problem with it. But the thing uh, as well, did you hear about uh, Liam Nielsen? They've removed him from. Queen's University over here in Belfast. They removed right. his likeness from the building, and it's like, it's like so because he said that he had a racist thought. That's that's worth excluding this guy. It's like fuck it, whatever. But what we're here to do today is to do the top five of Pink Floyd. So Joe, here's a question you probably never thought I'd come up with. What's your level of fandom of Pink Floyd? Uh, it's, it's tapered off to be honest, but when I was in my like early to mid twenties, um, I would have a system where I would fucking, I would hear a song or hear about a band and I'm a big reader. So uh, fucking on my bookshelf over there, I have uh, like a library of books about Jim Morrison, about Guns N' Roses, about Hendrix, about Clapton, uh, anybody I got into. And then Floyd was one of them. Cause I, I, like a lot of people, I think I got really interested in the, um, Sid Barrett story, part of the, part mm -hmm. of the tape. So I, I did my due diligence on Pink Floyd, and then as I'm reading the book, I like to listen to the albums. You know, as they're being described in the books, I want to hear, you know, you know, the different albums, whether or not they're radio singles. I'm a big album guy. So in my early to mid-20s, I went through the whole Floyd catalog. Nowadays, I don't necessarily go out of my way to put Floyd on a lot, but it's always a pleasant surprise if it comes on on my fucking Amazon Music or if I hear it on the radio or whatever. So pretty big fan, but not to the level where I'm a Doors fan or a Guns N' Roses fan. With uh, Pink Floyd, it's a thing, because I recorded a thing with uh, Mike Durbin the other week about the Smashing Pumpkins, and the Smashing Pumpkins are one of my favorite ever bands, but there's this unbelievable uh, pretentiousness with them to yeah. the point that some of their album titles are actually quite hard to uh, say, and I think they're, they're designed simply for that. Like, stuff like Monuments to an Elegy, and uh, what was it? Wait a minute. And there's one called uh, Tangerine by Kaleidoscope. It's like that means nothing. It's just this, uh, big words, big words. And that's something that Pink Floyd do. And they've also got a thing that drives me nuts is I don't like it when a band splits up and says stuff like, hey guys, how about a reunion tour? And then they usually go, oh, I've uh, no interest in going over the past again. Yeah. And then what they announce is a solo tour where they go, I'll be playing the greatest hits of Pink Floyd and our yeah. number one album in full. And it's like, well, no, if you split up, 
at a time when you could get back together, then you can't play band stuff. Right. So let's jump straight. Now, uh, my number one on this might be quite controversial, which I'll explain once we get to it. But uh, why don't we start off with Joe Feeney? What is your number five greatest Pink Floyd song? It's it's an evolving list. I gotta be honest. I got seven songs over here. So as we're going, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be eliminating some, and I'm gonna figure out what I what my five actually is as we go. I think I'm gonna cross that one out. Five. I'm gonna do something as as I've done on the Doors and Guns N' Roses list. I like to throw a little curveball in there, and maybe it's not, but it's a curveball to me because I've it's not like you hear it on the radio. But maybe Floyd fans do know all about this, and that's uh, Jug Band Blues. Oh, what album's that up? Saucer Full of Secrets, and it's, uh, I believe it's like the last song Sid Barrett recorded as a member of Pink Floyd, and the, and the lyrics are very, I'm losing my fucking mind type of lyrics. You're, you're hearing the guy's psychosis, and in the middle of it, there's a breakdown, like, and it's actually uh, a bunch of homeless guys that he brought into the studio and just had play a bunch of instruments, and it's, it's probably the worst music you've ever heard, but it's like, whoa, like Sid was losing his fucking mind, and they were just letting him, they were just fucking placating him, but... It's only a three-minute deal. It's a, it's a fun little song if you want to hear about someone losing their mind. You know, I never got into the Sid Barrett era. Uh, for me, it was like the well, I would call it the classic rock era. If that makes sense. To you. What's uh, going on in that room? Goddamn cat won't shut up. Boo! Go away. <laughs> Fucking cat cut. God damn it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. That's kind of like. Uh, some people prefer different iterations of Sabbath or whatever. With Floyd, some some people consider the Barrett version the real the real version. You know, it's, it's you know it's the way it goes with these bigger bigger name bands. But I'm with you. That's kind of the only song that I really dig from that era. But I, I do like it a lot. And he, he seemed like a fucking horrible person. Sid Barrett, like you hear all these stories about him going nuts. Where it's like, oh, he would go on stage and just stand there uh, reading the paper, and it's like uh, did nobody say to him. Get off the fucking stage. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, at number five, I'm going to go with the song, which is what I am when it comes to binge drinking. And this song is called Fearless. Ah. And it's from the album Metal. And yeah. see, the thing about Pink Floyd is that I'm not saying people need to be on drugs to enjoy music, but it would really fucking help. Like, this is a, I think it's like a six and a half minute long song. Where people, where, where it's like it's very chilled out, sort of a, not so much a ballad, but a very slow-paced acoustic song, and mm. it's clearly not made for coked-up whiskey drinkers. It's, it's very chilled, and it's got this nice sort of like, you know, it's going up the guitar instead of down. I like it. What do you think of Fearless? Yeah. Uh, I don't know it, but I, I will have to check it out. I mean, if I know it, I don't remember it. Like I said. Uh, Went through that whole catalog in my early to mid twenties, and there may have been, may have been some casual drinking and drug use. So some of these songs might have slipped my slipped my mind a little bit, but I've definitely written it down, and uh, I will be checking that out. What have you got in there to number four? Okay, let's see what we're gonna cross out here. <laughs> four, four. I'm gonna go with us and them. Holy shit. Sorry, the moon. Um, man. 
it's funny because like you mentioned uh you use the words classic rock and, and floyd it plays on classic rock stations that you know people probably consider it but some of the shit they did was so different and us and them i wouldn't even know what to fucking call what to categorize it as but i know that uh it's a great song it's it's super chill and uh it's prob i mean i think i have another I have another song from Dark Side of the Moon listed, but that's that's definitely it definitely belongs on my top five is us and them. Yeah, and the, the thing about the Dark Side of the Moon is, and I know it's kind of played out slash overexposed to a lot of people, but it really is one of the greatest albums ever made. And it, and I know it, it it is overplayed and played out, but it, it's most of my top five is from Dark Side of the Moon. And the reason I said it is because my number four was also Us and Them. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And, it, and it is just like some sort of jazz fucking rock uh, thing. And it's it's difficult, even though stuff might be a little played out. Like, I didn't include money. And, mm. it's, and I think it's because it's on the fucking radio so much. But I had difficulty excluding it because I'm thinking to myself, even though it's 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 one of their huge radio songs and it might be overplayed, it's really really good. So how can I excuse excluding it? But you know, money didn't make the cut. But us and them, yeah, Dark Side of the Moon, you might might be a little overplayed, but you can't like you can't deny the songs on that album. You just can't. Yeah, and uh, but one of the things which we'll get to later on, uh, Dark Side of the Moon, it's no fun. It's not very, should I say, uh, iTunes shuffle friendly. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll get to uh, later on. But what have you got in there at number three on the uh, greatest Pink Floyd songs of all time? Three, I'm going to go with Have a Cigar. Oh. Another, again, you know, you hear it on the radio. And what's funny about Have a Cigar is it's one of those songs that you hear and you're just like, you don't really know, for me anyway, you don't really know who the fuck it is. Like, it doesn't really sound like what you've expected from Pink Floyd from, you know, say Dark Side of the Moon or whatever when you're when you're younger and hearing these songs for the first time. But I think uh you know, even though they have um you know, Wish You Were Here and fucking The Wall and uh I'm sorry, Dark Side of the Moon and The Wall, Wish You Were Here, man, it it's 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 the whole album tells a fucking story. It's pretty tremendous and that um this might be common knowledge for Floyd fans, but uh, maybe casual listeners don't know. That line in the song where he goes, you know, which one's pink? Like, that's something that happened to those guys all the time. Like, the record executives thought that there was, the front man's name was Pink Floyd. And then when they would come up to schmooze, they would be like, all right, which, you know, great show, guys. Uh, hey, which one's pink? Because you know, they would want to kiss the ass of the front man. There wasn't a fucking front man at that time anyway, unless you considered. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waters or Gilmore to really be a front man, but, you know. You so know a singer called Pink, don't you? I do. I kn- I did. I, I I mean I do. I did. Sort of. Yeah. Alicia. Alicia. Care to tell that story on the air, or is that something? Oh, that's. 
That's a yeah, that's a slow that's like its own segment someday. <laughs> Plus you never know there could be legal action for her taking the song that I wrote for it and never giving me co songwriting credit, that fucking bitch. <laughs> I mean, uh wait, can I call her a bitch? There's that slanted. But no, have a cigar, um based in reality and, and just it's got like a dark humor to it and it's it's number three. And also Bill Clinton's the chat up line for Monica Lewinsky. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, number three, I'm going to go with one. Now, this is when uh, Floyd weirdly became uh, the biggest touring act that ever been, yet their music, uh, their album quality started to take uh, a noticeable dip. And instead of just being a unique band, they became very... I should I say, uh, of, of their time. And um, by that, I meant this one's from the 80s, and it's Learning to fly. Yeah, I thought about it, but I didn't and, include it. I, I, go ahead. And it, it is very 80s. And uh, I would advise anyone who's never heard this song and happens to be checking it out maybe on YouTube, don't watch a music video because they look like a bunch of dicks. And they're yeah. all blazers and they've all got mullets and the guitars are all electronic with no fucking head, head on it. But well, uh, as a song, it's fucking great. It is, and it's uh, it's easy to take. You know, some people, if someone leaves a band, they automatically, you know, they file that person out, and then they bury the band for whatever. With Roger Waters leaves Pink Floyd, and it's kind of easy to take Gilmore's side because he seems like such a good dude. He's a great guitar player, and Roger Waters is a fucking insufferable asshole. But why would anyone ever take Roger Waters' side? But uh. So yeah, this was, that was the first album that they made without him, right? Might be the only one. Uh, they made two. They made, made a Division Bell in 1995 right. or six or fucking something. But that live album that eventually came out, I think it was called Pulse, right? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. It's you know one of one of the great live albums. Yeah, because it, it's got the dark side of the moon in full on uh, the other stuff. Yep. But yeah, it's uh, no, but I love learning to fly and. I think it's their last great song. They had good songs since, but yep. Hey, Floyd Bibby. Much like uh, Zeppelin, they should have done. I know they they got back together kind of for that live eight thing, right? And that was it. Or they did sporadic appearances, but they never toured again as Floyd with Waters and Gilmore, did they? No, I think because it, it's just they're so they all made so much money. That they and they could live off for all these forever. Like that's why you would so rarely see Pink Floyd shit on TV. But uh, they're all they all have to be at least worth a hundred million each. Yeah, and Waters doesn't he doesn't need to tour with those guys if he doesn't want to. He can just tour as Roger Waters and just do the wall or whatever. You know. Yeah, and Waters is uh, as you say he's known for having this like almost mental illness. He's so difficult. Yeah. So it's like, well, I, you know, I, it's like, um, it's like when you try to stay friends with an ex, and you can maybe send them a text here, and, like every couple of months they go, hey, uh, I seen that uh, film, uh, maybe thinking you how you're doing, but it's like, right, I don't mind texting you every four months, but that doesn't mean I want to see you on the bus to work. Yeah, yeah, opening the door to uh, some mental instability. It, what's it, it, there's an interesting clip I think of Howard Stern burying Waters. He does not does not like him. Is because of the whole. I, I don't think I don't think Roger Waters agrees that Israel has a right to exist. I think that's the start of it. So not to get into all that, 
So two. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> so two. Uh, I'm gonna go again. It's it's radio a radio hit. It's you've seen it covered a million times and all this and and it's comfortably numb. Oh uh, yeah. I couldn't leave it off. I just couldn't leave it off. And um, uh, I will one day locate the uh, the one time that I performed comfortably numb with um, with a band called Quagmire that I used to jump up Giggity. with. And then <laughs> uh, my friend uh, Matt played guitar and was actually pretty excellent. But um, what happened, long story short, was the band lost their singer. So I came in. I was like, yeah, I'll do. I could just do fucking Roadhouse Blues. I just know I can do Roadhouse Blues. Oh, so let's do Roadhouse Blues. But they liked the way I did it. So they're like, all right, you want to do any more songs? I'm like, I don't really know any of your fucking songs. And they're like, well, what about Comfrey Numb? I was like, I think I know two verses. So the whole, I did the song, but the whole song, the guy would be leaning over me and whispering the next line. And I would go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was pretty hammered, too. So I would like to find that footage someday. But yeah, Comfortably Numb, uh, just do that guitar solo. That's what made me think of that. Because Matt, great job. Let's, let's hear a little bit of uh, Crazy Eddie singing some Comfortably Numb. Oh, I don't want. To. I mean, <laughs> the acoustics in here are just—they're not—they're not meant. You know, it's a little damp, whatnot. I haven't warmed up. I haven't had my my tea. But uh, you know, you never know. You never know what's gonna happen at Starcast. There's karaoke all over Vegas, so. Well, I'm not allowed to leave the country, but enough about that one. But uh, uh, with with comfortably numb, it's one of these songs that uh, I say it suffers from U2 itis, and that it's so much better live. Mm. That I never listened to the the album version, and like we mentioned it earlier, there uh, Pulse the live album. There's a yep. version of Comfortably Numb on Pulse that I think it's like about eight or nine minutes long, and it's got one of the greatest guitar solos ever. Yeah, and it's like there's no way I'm playing this uh, studio version ever again. And in the film that departed, when they included mm-hmm. Comfortably Numb during the sax scene, they used the live version of it. And that's uh, got Van Morrison singing on it, doesn't it? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think if you, if, I think that's Van Morrison, which is uh, it's an interesting combination, isn't it? Van Morrison and Pink Floyd. But yeah, I was going to mention that live version and The Departed. Uh, I think that actually threw me off because I was going to mention The Departed. So yeah, have that's you, about. Have you ever heard the version of this by the Scissor Sisters? No. It's a, it's a dance music version, and it's like the, I get what they're going for because they were very openly uh, camping. It was an all gay band at the time that that sort of shit was still sort of taboo, so fair play to them. But the song is shite. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's, you're not supposed to dance to lyrics like this. There is no page It's like, I don't want you singing that lyric to me. Well, if you're on enough ecstasy, you can dance to anything, though, you know, especially <laughs> with referencing drugs. But uh, that made me think, I will say, and this might be unpopular, that when you take their their great concept albums, I would actually put The Wall at three. And I would put Wish You Were Here above it and Dark Side of the Moon is their best. You know, I don't, The Wall, I never found myself playing all the way through. You know, I don't know why. Just The Wall, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, you know? Yeah. But uh, at number two, and we mentioned earlier about how... Uh, Dark Side of the Moon isn't exactly uh, modern music software friendly. I'm going with Breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I've said it's not friendly is because the song's only about two minutes long. And it's sort of like, when you hear Dark Side of the Moon, it's meant to be played from start to finish. And because there's like, there's what they call it, segues or interludes or something between songs. 
Yeah. So they all blend into each other. So on when you play Breathe by itself on iTunes or whatever, it sounds like something's been cut off. Like you've like you've downloaded a bad version. Yeah. But in but when you play it in full, it sounds great. But Breathe and it's just so chill out. Breathe, breathe the air. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, I might have to go ahead and do a Dark Side of the Moon uh, listening party by myself, but you know. Yeah. This evening. Um, that would actually be, uh, you know, a great thing for Patreon. Yeah. Then it's had a, a on-air listening party, smoke along, and even even the K Dog would probably be up for a bit of Pink Floyd. I would say. I would. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, do you like Breathe? Yeah. Like, I mean, like I said, the whole album from start to finish is one of those. And to me, there's only a handful, really, where there's not a, there's not one skippable track. You just fucking turn it on, boom, you're good. And, uh, yeah, that's that's amazing, especially, uh, you know, the, the way it builds up, like you mentioned. Well, we have now come to the uh, all-important number uno. See, I'm pro-immigrant. Uh, Joe Feeney, what's your number one uh, Pink Floyd song of all time? Time. Time from Dark Side of the Moon. And, uh, you know, again, luckily with Time, even if you if you skip to that track on the CD or, you know, I'm dating myself a little bit there, or if you just put it on, on, on your iTunes or fucking Amazon Music like I use or whatever, uh, it, it plays start to finish. It starts out with the clocks and all that, but I just always thought the lyrics... Were brilliant, and I and I I thought I felt that way when I was 25, and I wasn't old yet. And now that I'm getting closer to the fucking middle age. Time, it, it, you know, the song's even better to me. But uh, yeah, I, I would put that as my Pink Floyd number one for sure. Uh, kind of almost sums the band up to me too, just the style of play musically and the lyrics, and it, it's just very very fucking Floyd. And uh, that would be my number one pick for Pink Floyd. Uh, I've always wanted to do this prank on people at uh, weddings. You know the way the bridesmaids have to dance with the groomsmen? Uh, or should I say, the, the bride's people have to dance with the grooms people of whatever gender they identify as, you know, trying to be all woke here. Uh, well, they always get to dance the song, so I thought, wouldn't it be hilarious if you had them dancing to Shine On You Crazy Diamonds? It's like 17 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. Just the fuck with him, brother. But uh, do you ever think uh, Pink Floyd music is kind of, didn't say scary, but like, uh, but creepy? Sure, yeah, definitely creepy and could provoke a flashback or two if you're not careful. But um, <clears throat> it's funny you mentioned Shine On Crazy Diamond. I, I almost included it, and then I realized I wasn't sure which parts of Shine On You Crazy Diamond I wanted to include because it's split up into two, right? At least. Yeah. Like, hey, which part do I fucking? Because you, you know, again, it's it's almost an iTunes uh, issue. You're skipping through and you put on Shiny Crazy Diamond. And you're like, wait, this isn't the fucking part I wanted to hear. What the hell is this crap? And then you, oh, it's the other part. You know, so left it off because I wasn't quite sure which part I wanted to include. But um, that's that's some masterful shit there too. And of course, all about Sid Barrett's uh, mental downfall. They really cashed in on mental illness, didn't they? I mentioned earlier about a controversial entry on the list, and that's would be my number one and I'm going with brain damage slash eclipse but the reason for that is uh, of course back in the uh, we call it the Napster LimeWire days yeah 
when I was downloading all these songs, and when I first downloaded this song, it was one song. It wasn't two separate tracks. So for years and years, I always thought that it was it was one continuous song. I didn't know it was two different tracks. So uh, I've included it as a joint number one. And due to my edit and know-how, I went back into the actual raw files from the actual songs that when I bought the album and on Pulse and made them one track. Ah. So uh, do you think this count? And the thing, and it is one song, really. Yeah. Well, the whole, I mean, I had it written down, didn't include it. But uh, again, that whole Dark Side of the Moon is tremendous. The lyrics for Brain Damage, great stuff. And I think that was that was totally, totally their pinnacle. And even if they never did anything after Dark Side of the Moon, even though they kept adding on to that legacy, I think Dark Side of the Moon would have been enough to fucking sustain them as, as one of the top, you know, bands. I was going to say rock bands, but I don't even know, you know, I guess you put them in that. But one of the top bands of all time. Just everything is good. They tried to be innovative. The music is fucking kick ass. They can just play straight out great guitar solos in their shit when they want. The drummer was great. But then they also have all this other shit that they mixed in just just to make it. And, you know, like you said, creepy sounding and mysterious and the lyrics. You know, the guy. You know, the guys almost almost always hit a home run. And a lot of that was water. So you got to give credit where it's due. And if I remember well, and by well I mean probably wrong. I think it was the last Pink Floyd song ever played live because on that uh, Division Bell tour they they would play they would end with uh, they would play like a greatest hit set and then do a short intermission and then play Dark Side of the Moon in full mm-hmm. so uh, unless I've got the, the list running wrong this uh, was the last ever Pink Floyd song played live hmm you're gonna be you're gonna be in a Floyd kind of mood. I might have to get get back in get back in the catalog a little bit. I do know the book that I read on the history of the band was called Saucer Full of Secrets. You know, and I know that was uh, that was years ago. There's been some good books that have come out since that I haven't been able to grab. Like there's there's great biographies on Sid Barrett for anyone who's interested in him. You know, whether or not you uh, enjoy or appreciate his era of Floyd, it's a pretty crazy fucking story too. So, so uh, all in all, how would you rank Pink Floyd and the all-time bands? Like, do you think that they've almost, uh, wouldn't say ruined their legacy, but do you think they've maybe tarnished themselves a little in the fact that they could have done so much more, but due to stupid feuds, they just let it all, like they let, the, because a lot of people, frankly, have never heard of Pink Floyd, like younger people don't know who they are. I don't, uh, I mean, Sometimes, you know, these bands break up and it's all it's almost better because you didn't get 15 years of shit, you know. Mm. You're left with the great albums that they made and then they they would have tapered off. Like I mean, uh I mean, look what happened to Aerosmith for Christ's sake. Now that's yeah. problematic because they did a good one in 2001. But actually, when I say good, I meant to say there was a good song on it. Aerosmith? Yeah. <laughs> what was a good song? Jaded. Jaded. Yeah, but, uh, well, as long as no one from Pink Floyd ever is a judge on American Idol, I think their legacy is safe. Yeah. I do think that they're, you know, you name the iconic bands, whether it's, you know, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, you know, uh, of course, the Rolling Stones, and so on, like, Floyd's in that conversation. So I think that uh, no matter what, they'll be considered, you know, at least top ten, 
you know, gotta be. And uh, it's gotta be weird for them because they all still tour, so they all could still do it. And if they announced like an official final tour, they would sell out for every stadium in the world. Did one of the guys pass away. Uh, the, the, the keyboard player. Yeah. The, the drummer of Waters and uh, Gilmore still alive. Mm-hmm. And Barrett went out that he was fucking tour. Barrett passed away too. I remember reading that a few years back. Yeah. So shall we end with a, a one, two, three? Yay, Pink Floyd. Absolutely. Okay. One, two, three. Yay, Pink Floyd. Blown away by how good looking I am and want to attempt to be as gorgeous as I am? Well, if you don't know where to start, I recommend starting with the Tease Hanley Skincare System Level 1. It gives you all of the basics. Gives you face wash, gives you an exfoliating scrub, an AM and PM moisturizers. All of this for only $25. But here's the best thing. Since you're all a part of the It's Use Yellow family, they're offering you an exclusive discount to try their already affordable system at an amazing price. Click the link in the description to get the exclusive discount. Or use the coupon code HUSIEHELLO. That's all capital letters. For a 20% discount. You may never be as absolutely unstoppably gorgeous as me, but Tease Hanley is the best way to try. Guys, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Proper sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Bluechew.com. That's blue, you know, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know that they work and they get the job done. You hear me? You can take them at any time, day or night. Uh, Even on a full stomach you can take them. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready to go whenever the opportunity arises. Put it like this, just say you happen to be a fella who's in a relationship with a girl and let's just say you forgot when they were coming home from vacation and you forgot to collect them from the airport. And then let's just say in that same week it also happened to be their birthday which you completely 100% forgot about. Now, of course, that wouldn't actually happen to someone. (laughs) Uh, But what you can do is, when you do make them a nice dinner, take a few blue chew when it's time for the after-dinner sex. Holy God, do they forgive you. And thanks to blue chew, it helps you make up for all the stupid stuff us guys may or may not have allegedly done earlier on in that week. And if you need any proof that blue chew works, she hasn't brought up the airport stuff or the birthday stuff to me since. Thank you, Blue Chew. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. I'm going to put it like this, and this has come from uh, personal experience. Sometimes you think you're a, a one-and-done kind of guy. A goosh! But Blue Chew helps you get ready faster for round two, maybe even round three, 
if you're up for it. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package so there's no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and the best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're actually cheaper than a pharmacy. Well, right now we've got a special deal for It's Usually Hello listeners who visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code HELLO at H-E-L-L-O and just pay for the $5 shipping again that's bluechew.com B-L-U-E chew.com use the promo code HELLO to try it for free Bluechew is the better, cheaper and faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring It's Usually Hello. And the girlfriend thanks me for using Bluetooth. First the tide rushes in, plants a kiss. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. on the show. I'm at peace 
Up next, Sean Haggerty, and I think, unless I'm wrong, he's the first ever Irish guest I've had on the podcast. And by guest, I mean main, in the main event slot. It's a bit of wrestling talk there for uh, John Mangland. So yeah, Sean's on talking about trying to be a comedian in PC times, all kinds of ranting shit that I love to do anyway. And if you can't understand the accent, tough. You've already downloaded the podcast, and that's really what matters. But yeah, give it a listen. I think you're going to like it. So, Sean, without the wife, hello. So, okay. Sean Haggerty, welcome yes. finally to uh, It's Usually Hello. Thank you very much. Cheers for having me. It's, it's been a long time. And I think the last time we spoke, like, I think the last time we seen each other face to face was about six or seven years ago, was it? Yeah, and I'm very sorry about what happened. But uh, it's weird thing about this podcast is that I've been doing it since about September, and I've had two people from Ireland on it. It's like almost entirely people from <laughs> uh, the US of A, man. Oh, really? And how's it been going so far? All good? It's been going uh, great. I just I would really love to start making some proper money from it so that I can quit everything else. Yeah, of course. I think everybody who podcasts is on the same boat. You know, we, we would all love... Just uh, to be making a bit more money and to be turning it into a career, you know, because it, it, it has been a career for so many people. So why can't it be careers for people like ourselves? You know what I mean? But the, the thing that's become crazy to me is uh, how uh, easy, so to speak, it can be to get guests on. That's it, yeah. See, when you get, see, like people in the media, mm-hmm. they love nothing more than to talk about themselves. <laughs> So they they really don't like so if you give them an opportunity to sort of promote themselves, they they're mm. buzzing from it. They they love it. Yeah, and and the thing is, because because uh, I'm a big time uh, old school wrestling fan, so okay. because initially uh, when I had a bunch of people on, it was a lot of ex or current wrestling uh, names, so right. the, it, it got quite a lot of downloads early. So that now it, it looks good for the records, right. and it's like. 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 an episode. When it's not a wrestling oh, right. podcast, it just, it just happened to come, uh, and they all said yes first. Right. No, I, I remember watching when it was WWF, mm. you know, back in my day, in the good old days. And uh, my kids and stuff, they, they've watched it kind of recently. We've been to a few of the events in the SSE in Belfast. But for me, you can't beat the olden days, the old Hulk Hogan, the Brad the Hitman Hart, the Macho Man, not even Macho King, you know, Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Jack the Snake, and it just, the, the list goes on and on and on. I have so many happy memories from wrestling from my childhood. Did you ever think we'd live in a time where, growing up as a kid, where you're, like, begging for a video to be bought for you, that all these years later we could watch in HD Hulk Hogan getting his dick sucked on the bus home from work? <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? Like, just how much it's evolved and how much technology's evolved from then. I remember... One night, um, my dad took my two brothers away for the night, and I didn't want to go, and I was at home with my mum. And my mum says, come on, we'll go up to the video shop, and you can rent a, a, a video. 
So we went up and I picked like Royal Rumble. I think it was like 89 or 90. And she says, why don't you go and round up all your friends and they can come in and watch it. And it was like the first time my friends had ever been invited into my house. And I remember just sprinting around the doors, just calling for everyone. I didn't even have time to put my shoes and socks on. I just barefooted, just sprinted around my street, trying to get friends in to come and watch Royal Rumble. Yeah, back in our day, you used to rent stuff like films and games. Now you rent houses to film porn in for a weekend. <laughs> it's unbelievable, <laughs> isn't it? But talk to me, speaking of everybody being a piece of shit these days, is, is it tough being a comedian? Because for people that may not know, Sean Haggerty, of course, he's a stand-up comedian, he's a radio DJ host, he's a podcaster, uh, he gave me a lift to work the other day, uh, he's an all-round good chap, and so is it tough being a comedian in such PC times? Well, we, we says we weren't going to talk about me being an Uber driver, so um, we, we could, you could try and cut that out maybe in the edit, but it, <laughs> you know what? It is, see, as well, because Twitter and stuff's so popular, you, anyone can have a funny thought and it can go viral within an hour. Do you know what I mean? So you, you really are up against it in this modern era, so it's really hard to kind of always stay on top of things. And I, I almost feel like even if you take a month off, you're a month behind yourself. Like you have to catch up, you know, and you have to sort of, always be creating content you have to always be staying like right at the top of the news like any of my family text me news and stuff I'm, I'm like I already know this do you know what I mean because I'm constantly just digging for information and searching for stuff and getting ready for the next topical joke but it's it, I, it, it's really really hard but it, it, most jobs are do you know what I mean uh, would, would you say that these days people want to be offended more than actually want to laugh I don't know if it's people want to be offended. I think people who are easily offended have a bigger voice nowadays, whereas in the past they would just write a letter to the BBC. Do you know what I mean? Oh, whereas yeah. now, now people can voice their concerns on any form of social media. Um, so it's it's a, a tricky one, but I try and stick to my guns where you just try and create funny and anybody who knows you as a comedian or anyone who follows you because you're a comedian will just accept that anything you say is just made up bullshit and it's not to offend anyone or it's not to write people up the wrong way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because it's the, like the latest uh, scandal, so to speak, and it drives me mad that it's even a scandal, is it? Uh, Liam Nielsen, uh, brother yeah. of Leslie from the Naked Gun trilogy, uh, he's recently uh, did an interview with, I don't even know why he started talking about it in the first place. Where he's like, says, a woman I knew was raped. So I was walking around with a cash looking for a black guy to kill him if he tried anything about me. And he then went on to say, two sentences later, uh, he goes, and I can't believe that I ever thought about that way. Like, it took me about a week to realize how stupid that was. Right? So in that sentence, he says, yeah, 40 years ago, I had a racist thought, and a week later, it was out of my mind, and I realized how wrong it was. So, of course, liberals have selective uh, dyslexia, where they didn't read the second part of that interview. This was, this, oh, he's Hitler. He said that once he wanted to kill a rapist, that makes him racist. Like, so the woman That's being it. raped, there's no problem. But the fact that he was like, I'm annoyed about this rape. It's like, what? What? You can't be annoyed about a rapist. He might be black. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's bullshit. The whole thing is just completely, it's like, do you know what I put it down to? It's like slow news day. That's what people call it. Do you know what I mean? See when these things are just massively taken out of proportion for no reason other than just to fill headline inches or to fill TV time on the news channels and stuff. It's just, it's all bullshit. Next week, it'll be somebody else. The week after, it'll be somebody else. It's just, and they're talking about boycotting his film and stuff as well. And where does it end? Do you know what I mean? It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and to be fair, like, who was really going to go see that film anyway? I don't even know what it's called. I still don't know what it's called. I just know that there's a revenge scene in it. That's oh, all I know. Yeah, well, it's like, well, it sounds great. Maybe I will go see it. But uh, I was never going to go see it anyway. But them saying, oh, I'm going to boycott the, this action film that comes out in February. It's like, yeah, because they're usually so great. But, but uh, my theory on it is that this is all a cover-up. Or should I say a diversion from the fact that this guy, what's his name, Juice Smollett, who's a he was a he's a black homosexual who was uh, apparently the victim of a hate crime in America, and it's looking like it was a total hoax. So now to get because his story has changed four times. Because first of right. all they were wearing MAGA hats, then uh, uh, now he's saying. But then he was photographed back at his apartment with a sandwich. So it's like, so you protected the sandwich during a fight. <laughs> uh, then he said he was on the phone at the time and fought back. It's like, so you fought them holding a sandwich and a phone while they threw bleach on you and put a, knee so, uh, a noose on you. It's like, so you're, you're that hard. And now he's saying, oh, they were all dressed completely in black. It's like, but that's not what you said, MAGA hat. So my theory is the media is trying to get away from his total lies and make a big drama out of Liam Nielsen talking about crowbar and a black fella. Well, that, that's it, yeah. It's just, that's attention-seeking as far as I, as from what I can gather. Uh, that's the first I've heard of that story, but I think from now on I will be telling everyone, no matter what, that I'm in my apartment with a sandwich. <laughs> that's what I'll be doing from now on, you know, my wife will be like, have you the dishes done? I'm like, I'm in my apartment with a sandwich. She's like, you're a stupid fucker. We we live in a house. We don't have an apartment. I'm like, I'm trying to protect my BLT here. What's going on? <laughs> uh, actually, it was, uh, it was a meatball marinara. So maybe you shouldn't assume so much. And right. it, so, so just because he's gay, he's having a BLT. You've got a lot of growing up to do, Sean. <laughs> so um, you had a subway then? Is that Nobody calls a subway a sandwich. You know what I mean? They say... They got a subway, so basically you got a subway, did he? Or can you get can you get what do you call them? Meatball marinars? Can you get those and just made up in sandwich in sandwiches normally? Can you get that? Uh, I'd like to think so, but I'm not I'm not a big bread guy, as you can tell from my uh, incredible figure. Oh, you've chiseled abs. I can see them through your your Guns and Roses shirt. Thank you. But the uh, would you like to know the key to a Liam Nielsen impression? No. First of all, you got to talk like Irish Charlie Sheen. So, you know, Charlie Sheen, he kind of speaks a bit like this, like uh, I've got age. But then you've got to do it in the Irish accent where you've got to go, I'm, I'm Charlie Sheen, I've got uh, age. So then you get to list three things you did that are bad and then explain why you're a hero. It's like, I'm a, I'm a bad man, Sean. I'm a bad man. I, uh, I took a shit in a baby's mouth. I, uh, I set R. Kelly up with a couple of kids. I... Uh, I grabbed the nun's tits during the wedding. I'm the only one who can fix your garden on the, by the end of the night. You know? Every film, that's what he does. 
I'm a bad man. I, I don't know what to do. I know. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, apparently he's got a massive cock on him too. Well, um, all right. Uh, I'll believe it when I say it. Hopefully sooner or better than later. But, uh, but as I say, um, when you've got comedian, obviously you've got a lot of comedian friends, and do you ever hear about them getting in trouble uh, for for like simple jokes? Do you know what? See, see over here, surprisingly not. I think over here the scene is very sort of what would you call it? It's it's almost in its own bubble. Do you know what I mean? I think over here, if if you look at the media outlets and you know the PR companies and people who do you know, like well, like saying you were going to a show and it was like free tickets to the media and the media all came. Nobody's going to be honest and go, that show was shite. That was, you know, brutal. Everybody, like I remember we got tickets to a show through my wife a couple of years ago in one of the theatres in Belfast. And we went to see it and it was horse shit. It was literally fucking cow piss, right? And we got home and I was like, I, 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 I'm just going to say nothing about it because... I didn't enjoy it. And it was a comedy as well. I was like, I, I didn't enjoy it one bit. I thought it was trash. I thought it was awful. And then I go online and I search like the, the hashtag and stuff and people are just wanking off the producers. They're just just loving it. But it was shit. Nobody seemed to enjoy it. But everybody seemed to go home and just suck dicks, do you know what I mean, online? Because that's what I feel like you have to do over here because it's such a small scene. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody's in with everybody. You know, if you're offending someone, then you're offending a friend of a friend. And it's, you get to the point now where just, I think everybody just plays it safe just for a quieter life. So that's why I could never do the whole comedy thing because uh, all I do is call people cunts. And, and it's like, I can only get arrested so many times before I'm actually sent to jail. That's it, yeah. Has anyone ever went to jail for calling somebody a cunt? Is that? Uh, yeah, it's, but usually it's because it's written on a brick that goes through the car window. True, very true, yeah. But um, it's, I don't know, the, the scene, it's great over here. I think it's only a matter of time before somebody really, really takes off and makes it big, maybe Mock the Week or, you know, Live with the Apollo or something in England. And I think mm. then people might realize, oh, geez, they actually have sense of humor or, you know, they're not talking about the troubles anymore. But I think, if anything, Dairy Girls will maybe open a few doors over here. Maybe not in terms of stand-up comedy, but in terms of comedy and talent. You know, I think the... The talent on display there from the writing to the performing to the the jokes and the comedy in it is just it's superb so i think it's it's only a matter of time now for people really start taking notice of us over here well that that's actually uh one of the questions i was going to ask you about is uh, as you mentioned dairy girls and for those who may not know uh sean is the side piece of one of the actors from that show uh the great diana she's his wife she she allows him to stay in his house with her uh, so even though she's your wife, obviously, and you have uh, a podcast together, which, of course, you're going to give it a quick plug. The name is Hanging with the Haggerty's. See, and but is there ever deep down, I know it sounds stupid, but is there a, any sort of like competition in a way between you and her? Like, not like, like, oh, fuck, you, can't, you can't do that, you know? <laughs> no, not at all. No, if anything, we're supportive. Joe, you know, the money all comes under one roof. Uh, so it doesn't really matter who earns it. There, there comes times where I'm the one earning the money for maybe a couple of weeks or a month or two or three months, and then there's times where she's doing the same. And we just, it, it, we've got to the point now where just it's a wrap. 
element we are who is more popular at the time so there's going to be times where you're very busy there's times where you're very quiet and i think we just try and use our time wisely now and we try and be as creative as possible and we're always trying to help each other out whenever we can you know while also like you know i could maybe if i wanted to take up acting a lot of people would maybe go well could you ask your agents if they could take me on and stuff like that but you know that's something that neither of us are ever going to do to each other we're going to we, we almost are too proud of ourselves where we want to do it for ourselves on merit you know we want to get anywhere uh like i i constantly said at the owner you know like i'd sort of help her analyze her her stand-up routines and stuff because she got into stand-up comedy about four or five months ago so she's a, a proper gigging comedian now as well and you know i could easily say to her you know i'll get you on the bill with me all the time you know i'll get you this i'll get you that you can support me and stuff but she wants to do it on her own as well which is um which is great for her and i'm sort of giving her wee lines here and there and she's telling me to fuck off and you know they're they're not funny and they're shite and you know things like that so it's we we help each other out when we can but we know at the same time that we want each other to sort of learn for ourselves and build our own path really but do you do you think that uh because of course as you say dad's going into comedy a stand-up i mean but do you think people make such a big deal uh out of women going into comedy because when they say oh she's such a funny woman it's like well a lot of men aren't funny yeah so, so why why is it such a unique thing that, that a woman is funny like some of the funniest people I know are uh, slags. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, just I think the past maybe five or six years, women in comedy have just really sort of took over. It's 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 a great thing to see as well. Like you know, I think with the whole diversity thing and the the, the feminism, and you know, you you could talk about it. I'd say for hours, but I think the the good thing that has came of it is that it's happened that there aren't enough women on uh, nights and in stand-up comedy clubs and there's more and more popping up now all over the place and um, it's good that women are getting more and more of a voice and the people who are representing women are doing it phenomenally and they're working so hard and they're, they are they belong to be there in, in every shape and form so it, it, it's great to see. Do you think that, uh, and this is going to sound like a really dumb and mature question, but do you think that good-looking women get enough credit uh, if they're funny, or do you think that people just instantly start sexualizing them and like, oh, look at her arse? Well, I think it's the same with a good-looking guy. You know, people go to comedy as sort of like a release from their own lives, and they like, I think, comedians who take the piss out of themselves and who don't take themselves too seriously. Whereas, um, I used to watch a lot of other comedians, and there was a guy I remember talking once on a podcast, and he says that there was it was like him and another comedian sidekick. And the two of them got up on stage and people were like, oh, two of you take your shirts off. And he was like, I'm not taking my shirts off because off I've got abs. And that's not funny. So why would anyone want to see that? Whereas the other guy got his tits out and he was fucking, fucking massive belly button about, you know. So it was, it, it's a weird one, but I think you can be both. But I think audiences prefer, like, they already know that you're funnier than them. They don't want you to be better looking on them as well. Do you know what I mean? So I think um, anybody who is good looking maybe will have a harder time trying to make it as someone not as good looking. Uh, you know the problem with uh, good looking people? Mm. We're not well liked. No. <laughs> so do, do you find uh, English people funny? No, no. no none of yeah. them. 
Yeah, no, all, all no, ever do is or Americans or Australians. None of them. I don't. None of them are funny. Well, That's a fact. Yeah, but it's true though because like, you, you see them in interviews and they go, "Look, the funniest thing happened the other day. Uh, I went to the shops and I peed my pants, and everybody <laughs>, laughs their head off. And you're looking around going." But what's funny about that? Autistic people piss themselves. There's people in wheelchairs who shit themselves 24-7. So why is Ricky Gervais having a slash at the chippy so funny? It's it's a weird one. Maybe it's because maybe English people, like I'm just going through, like going on what the English people I know, I find them to be a lot more sort of animated than us. You know, I would have conversations with them and they're pissing themselves five or six times a conversation. Whereas I'd be sitting there just barely cracking a smile. And maybe it's because we're all miserable. I don't know what that actually comes down to. You'd have to really sit and analyze that. But um, I think if you're funny, you're funny. It doesn't matter where you're from, what fucking co- what color you are, how many dicks you've got, you know, whether your dick's been cut off, whether it's you've had got stuff added on to it. it, it <laughs> If you're funny, you're funny. You know, uh, it's funny you mentioned that, actually. Uh, not about the cutting dicks off stuff, uh, but we can get to that later. But with... Yeah, uh, fun, <laughs> it was an accident, and it was, it was something I enjoyed. But <laughs> do, do you ever get, when you go to a comedy club, whether it's a performer or just to watch, that can you tell that there's people there in the audience who have gone there deliberately not to laugh? Um, I don't think anyone ever goes deliberately not to laugh. I think some people might go just as like a wingman or, you know, um, maybe their partner wants to go or you would find that a lot at like solo shows. If people are coming, they don't usually come because both of the, like the, the couple both love you. They go because one of them love you and the other one's being dragged along. It's like, a you have to go because I, I don't want to go on my own. Do you know what I mean? So I always find like at solo shows, you're you're probably only getting maybe 50 to 70% of the audience where they are actual fans or they, they enjoy your stuff or they've even heard of you. And then the other 30%, you're trying to convert before the end of the show. Yeah, because I remember uh, the last time I went to the Empire uh, comedy night, there was some guy came on and he, he must have literally said, let's be realistic, like he said like probably nine words setting up his first joke. And already there was people turning around looking at each other going like this, going like, it's like he hasn't even got to the racist part of the joke. Give him a chance. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a strange one, isn't it? It's, I, I don't know what you put that down to. I think just some people are so backwards and some people are so fucking caught up in their own world. I think and some it's it's very dark for a lot of people, I think, as well, with social media and, you know, trying to sort of... Um, trying to almost be somebody you're not. So I think a lot of people have like sort of daily discomfort and it's hard to put into words, but they're like, they don't like to see anybody do well. So I think they just are miserable going in. But I think that's maybe just comes with with us, doesn't it? I I feel like a lot of us are are sort of brought up to be just fucking miserable and grumpy and it's up, up to us to sort of break out of that and try and find the funny in things and smile more and be more positive. Do you think that there's anything that shouldn't be joked about? No, I don't think so. I think the, the key word there and what you asked me, the key word is joked, do you know what I mean? Which joke means not to be taken seriously. So I think as long as you're not trying to make a, a statement, 
Uh, all you're doing is trying to be funny. Do you know what I mean? What, what do you think? Uh, uh, child abuse, I don't really, I think it's pretty dark to make fun of, but uh, sometimes, as stupid as it sounds, I think because it's so taboo, the jokes about shit like rape or, or race can be hilarious. Like, Would you like to hear a rape joke that I find quite funny? Go for it. Uh, there's this guy who married this beautiful, beautiful woman, and she, but she, even after the marriage, like, she never wanted to have sex with him ever. So the guy was desperate, and she was gorgeous. But uh, uh, so he was always like, oh, please, please. But no, no. So uh, he comes home one day, and she's lying unconscious on the floor, and her skirt's lifted up, and her underwear's showing, and he's thinking, right, well, I'm not going to miss an opportunity like this. So he goes out drinking with his mates. Right. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. All right. That's good. And uh, do you know any rape jokes? Because I'm always hearing people go, "You can't make rape jokes," and it's like I've never heard them. Um, there's one. I, I don't know if I've heard this before or if it came into my head once. Like not as as in I was going to to, to commit a rape, obviously. Like, but I mean, I'm just going to say to you as two people, right? So it's almost like, you know, a, a husband says to his wife, um, can I rape you tonight? And she goes, no. And he's like, yes, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's... <laughs> but I mean, there, there's some great racist jokes out there as well. Like, we're not saying that racism's okay, but like... like my, if my some grandparents are really racist. My grandparents are the most racist people I meet. Like, I went to visit them a couple of weeks ago, and I not even as much as pulled the knob down on the door to walk into the house. And all I heard was, get the hell out of here, you white motherfucker. So <laughs> that's, that's my grandparents for you. Really racist. Really, really racist. But, but isn't it weird, though? Like, like uh, nobody actually thinks that chickens cross roads. That's just yeah. a, a setup for a hilarious joke all the time. But... Uh, would you like to hear a racist joke that I love? Go for it. It's your, it's your podcast. So this uh, uh, black man is chased into Starbucks by this group of skinheads, and they've all got these like pipes and sticks, and uh, I think there's about five or six of them. No, there was six, actually, and they're all jumping them, and they're just beating the life out of them so badly. And uh, an ambulance was called. So right. afterwards, the, the police are taking statements, and they said to the manager, Hey, uh, why didn't you help out? And the manager goes, "Well, I thought six was enough." All right, okay. I've heard that before in like the the mother-in-law kind of joke. You know, I was walking up to my girlfriend's house and the mother-in-law was getting beat up by four people, and somebody says, "You're not going to help," and he goes, "No, no, no." You know, I think four is enough. I've heard that a couple of times before, so it's weird that that's sort of. I think a fully racist person has changed that into a racist joke just for no reason. Just. Stick to the mother-in-law, mate. Have you heard the legendary Sir Bernard Wrighton's jokes about that uh, race? Uh, who's telling you these, Liam Neeson? Or uh, he goes, uh, he says, um, <laughs> he goes, there's a black fella, a Chinese fella, and a Pakistani walking to a pub. What a fine example of an integrated community. <laughs> Fuck's sake! <laughs> and he goes. There's a black fella, two black fellas, another black fella, and three more black fellas walking to a pub. It was Earth, Wind, and Fire. They were on tour. They came in for a couple of pints. Great lads, all the you know, just jokes like that. Hilarious. 
it's just it's all about the intent behind them and stuff for me i think like as long as you're not out to, to actually try and hurt people i think you can you can say whatever you want really and that, go, that goes for anybody do you know what i mean whether it's a white person a black person a woman a man just any race i think you just like the amount of black comedians i think as well you see get up on stage and just instantly start sort of slagging white people or imitating white people or you know it's like it's nothing is thought of it but then as soon as it's reversed then there's problems you know probably obviously because of the black people used to be a minority and things like that but um i don't know i think it's if it's a comedy platform if it's on stage if it's a comedy show it should be anything goes really but speaking of uh as you say, a uh, comedy platform, and as you said, or you know, a lot of people sort of in the scene. But do you ever find that while you've, I'm sure you've got a lot of friends who are comedians and stuff, that there is a lot of competition slash jealousy? Um, you can see it in some comedians, I think, but in some comedians as well. You know, I think. There's different ways of looking at it. Like when you do look at it, you know, we're all sort of self-employed. It's like loads of plumbers being friends. You know, at the end of the day, they all want the work. Do you know what I mean? But I think yeah. at the same time as well, at the same time too, it's like I, I do have genuine friends in in some of the comedians that are over here, you know, and I, we, we go to each other's weddings. You know, we, we support each other when we can. I think some more than others, but at the same time, there's a platform here for everybody. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 not like two comedians are putting gigs on at the exact same time and people are wrestling each other to to go to which whichever one they want. Do you know I think because he, over here is so small and because the scene is that sort of small as well that it's you can be a fan of a lot of comedians over here. It, it, no one's going to take anybody's thunder or you know put a gig on at the same time as yours just to annoy you. Well, one other thing that always gets to me is it's uh, when there's someone who is successful at it, but I don't find them funny, that drives me nuts because it's not like, oh, how, why not me? Why not me? It's like, why don't I get it? Like, well, what are they what? doing? This? Yeah, say, say in terms of music, like you're sitting there wearing a Guns N' Roses hoodie. I hand on my heart on all my kids' lives, all 12 of them, I could not name a single Guns N' Roses song. Do you know what I mean? I, I bet you actually know a lot of their classics. You just don't realize it. I probably do. But at the same time, if I never heard Guns N' Roses again, uh, it wouldn't bother me at all. Do you know, so I think if you, if you look at it, it's a lot of people think comedy. It's just, yeah, uh, I, I feel like, you know, in terms of music, like there's so many different genres of music. And... People think there's only one genre of comedy, but I, I feel like there's almost more genres of comedy than there are in, in music. You know, I feel like you, you wouldn't just buy a ticket to uh, some group and just go and watch them and go, this is brilliant. Because, you know, you, you have specific tastes and you try and buy things and you, know, you try and buy music and go and support music of, of acts that you like. So I think in terms of comedy, I think it's people can't really show up the the gigs and expect to like all the comedians because the chances are it's going to be four or five different genres of comedy throughout the, the space of the night. So I feel like, you know, 
like my favorite comedians would be the likes of Tim Vine, Bo Burnham, um, Anthony Jaslik, you know, uh, a few of the, the older ones as well. But I'd say if you asked any other comedian in the country who their favorite comedians were, probably none of them would say any of those that I've named. You know, it's it's so diverse and it's so subjective and it's everything's open for interpretation, Joe. Everything is people just trying to do things that they find funny uh, while some people replicate their idols as well and they, they enjoy that style so they create material based around that style. Mm. So I, I feel like just that there are not enough people realise that comedy isn't just being funny it's not you're funny or you're not funny it's every everyone has their audience do you know what i mean so talk to me uh, uh just as we're wrapping up and speaking to audience uh you host uh with at least two podcasts that i know of there's hanging with the haggerty's and then there's sean haggerty talks or is it speaks uh, sean haggerty talks to himself sean haggerty which talks is weird to saying that in the third person but <laughs> so uh talk to me about uh podcasting and how you find John it. talks to himself, yeah. Yeah. So how do you uh, enjoy doing it and how are you finding the success? I, I really enjoy doing it. I, as I said at the start of the conversation, I would, I would love to podcast full time. Like I have so many ideas of different podcasts, but it's obviously stupid of me to go down the route of trying to do that full time when there isn't full-time work in it and you can't earn money that compensates like a full-time job but I think it's a nice little add-on from doing comedy you know and I feel like it does build you a bit more of a fan base because people come to see your gigs and then you tell them about it or they follow you on social media and they see it pop up and they, they go and follow that and it's sort of a way of them getting to know you a bit more you know and when people fully invest in your life and what you're doing and you know, it's it, sometimes there's the surreal aspect of people knowing your kids' names, and you know, they obviously know my wife as well. I think 99% of people who know me know her, and vice versa as well. So, um, at the at the minute, we're loving making our our hanging with the Haggerty's podcast, especially the video format now that we've introduced maybe the past six to eight weeks. So we've got about I'd say about fifteen to twenty thousand extra views. Um, and listens on our podcast because of that, just from from adding the, the video aspect to it. So uh, that's been great. But every week we're learning. Every week we're trying to make it better. We're trying to grow it. We're trying to make it funnier. You know, we're trying to reach out to more people. So um, who knows, in 10 to 20 podcasts from now, it could be a completely different thing because it was completely different now than how it started originally. So, uh, yeah, we just, we, we absolutely love it. And I'd love to do it full time myself, but there's just no not enough money there. But um, do you feel the same? Would you agree? Yeah, well, well for me, it's a, one of the things that drives me nuts about the podcast, uh, podcast is that sometimes you have this massively successful episode and then another week you'll have one that just completely tanks and, and you just think, but why? What, what exactly is it that made it? Like for the episode I had out recently was uh, Anthony Cumia was my guest, right. and it was it was huge for me. Like it got like two thousand hits, uh, downloads, uh, like w within the first hour, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" But then I had an episode on the week before with Perez Hilton, and mm -hmm. I think it got like a hundred in about twenty four hours, and and, it's, and you just think, 
Hi. Like, well, what exactly? What is it that I need to know? And exactly, it, it's so hard to work out. It's almost a full time job in itself to try and do the whole analytics side of things, and you know, trying to sort of promote it and boost it and stuff. And one of the the worst things that we both hate about doing our podcast is the self promotion behind it and having to constantly plug yourself and constantly sell yourself and we're just all about just we want it to be raw and simple and we want people to sort of see us for who we are we're not putting on different voices when we're making it we're not pretending people who we're not you know we're not trying to be these social media influencers we're just trying to just have a laugh with each other and give people a sort of a look at our lives while we also get the sort of talk to each other and show a, a side of us that we want people to see but um it's good times like do, do you enjoy podcasting do, do you see yourself as well going down the comedy route at all i know you used to like writing stuff but um this podcast obviously has sort of a comedy feel to it as well yeah it, it's it's getting in that it's uh see i just wish that because it, it, it seems to be all the all the downloads are from america okay which which is what i don't get because like in america i'm more well known Right. Then here, and I never leave here, and it's and it drives me fucking mad because even my own friends don't download it. And I right, said, right. I said, listen, these are these are actual famous comedians and athletes and and songwriters and stuff. Like, why mm. don't you want to hear? It? Like, oh, I was watching Friends, and like, fuck off, dad. <laughs> I know you can't win, but yeah, you have to please yourself. Do you know what I mean? I think if you try and please other people, you're never going to win, but. I think if you, if you if you can please yourself, you're most of the way there. Exactly. But well, we, we have come to the very important part of the podcast where we ask the three big questions. And I just held up two fingers there. The three big questions. Right, okay. I'm looking forward to this. Now, these could change at all. Rumor is Diane will divorce you if, if you get these questions wrong. Okay. What's better, Mission Impossible franchise or Die Hard? I'm going to say Die Hard, but I'll be brutally honest with you here. You mightn't like my answer. I've only ever seen Die Hard with a vengeance out of, well, I've seen Mission Impossible 2 as well, and it was all right, but I've only ever seen Die Hard with a vengeance, and it was quite good, and Samuel L. Jackson's good too, And that, but that was years ago, years ago. You're so getting a divorce. You think so? Oh, big time. Here's, here's the next one. Okay. Who's better? Queen or the Beatles? Ah, see, I'm a massive Liverpool fan, so my my heart's telling me the Beatles. But if I was, if you were to set out two CDs in front of me, one of each, and I were to put one in a CD player, even though CD players aren't really around anymore, I would probably put the Queen one in because we watched Bohemian Rhapsody recently, and we went on a bit of a a Queen bender after that. Excuse any. <laughs> um, we, we went on the full sort of we OD'd on Queen for a while and we watched Live Aid and stuff like that. So I'd I'd probably say Queen, but our first dance as well was a Beatles song. Fuck I, it, thought, Queen, yeah. I, I thought our first dance was to a Mumford and Sons song. Or do you mean with Diana? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, me and, right. Yeah, me and you was Mumford and Sons, obviously, you know, with the cave. How could you forget? <laughs> you know what I mean? Brings back good memories, doesn't it? The cave is actually the nickname you had for me, but I uh, will not talk about that in too much detail. Yeah, well. One of the nicknames, yeah. Now here's uh, the big question, and this there's an actual right answer to this. So I'm nervous. Should be the Spice Girls are back. Who's your favorite Spice Girl? 
Right, again, it comes down to supporting Liverpool. When I was growing up, my favourite was Mel C because she wore Liverpool t-shirts. Like, how scummy of me, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll stick to that as well. I think she was the, the proper singer of the group as well. So, um, sporty for me. What about, what, what's your, who's your favourite? That was the incorrect answer. The correct answer is Baby Spice. Baby right, Spice yeah. is the best of the Spice Girls. Always okay. was. And still is. What are you putting this down to? Is this your whole sort of pedophilia background, or her big arse and thick legs? Okay, okay. So literally, <laughs> just man's figure then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what else did you want? The woman, a man. But <laughs> well, that's like it just as we come up to the last thing. It's like when Caitlyn Jenner won Woman of the Year. It's like, okay, so even men are better being women than women are. Mm. Thank you, Sean. Hopefully Diana will be on the next episode very soon. But pretty sure if she said she would do it, she would do it on like some other guests who say yes, then back out. So don't forget to go check out the sponsors and it's usually bye-bye. Bye-bye.